Hello and welcome to On Point with NatWest. It's a podcast series of fresh thinking on the key topics for corporate institutions. I'm Andrew Blinko, I'm Head of Corporate Institutions here at NatWest, and thank you very much for joining us. In this episode of On Point, Yang Zhu, Vice President, Global Treasury and Corporate Development at the Kraft Heinz Company and I, speak with John Nicholas, Senior Advisor at Treasury Today, about treasury digitization and some of the key capital structure and liquidity management lessons from the coronavirus pandemic. What are the key things to get right and the risks to avoid in any digitization strategy? Hi, and thanks, and, and uh, hello to everyone that's um, joined today, and, and thank you very much for, for inviting me on. Uh, it's, a, it's, a, it's a fairly broad question to start with, so I'll, I'll probably confine it to, to four or five key points. I think the first and most obvious point, I'd say, is being absolutely crystal clear at the outset in terms of what what you're trying to achieve, and particularly understanding and establishing both measures of success and landmarks along the way and, and appropriate check-in points. I think the second is making sure you're engaging with the right parts of the organisation at the right time, really clear on scope and being really clear at the outset, engaging with the right stakeholders. I, I think I can say from uh, from experience that looking to retrofit to accommodate stakeholders or, or often incidental parts of the group that are brought in post the scoping stage is, is exponentially more difficult or, or potentially more time consuming and can have broader impact. So we'd say clearly um, getting right parts of the organisation in the right time really important. I think as well understanding what's the investment appetite and particularly understanding investment appetite uh, it will typically be a multi-year commitment and understanding and seeing that as a multi-year commitment and something to, you know, that, that, that you understand and bake in at the outset of the process. Um, and I think uh, probably the, 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 if you wanted a, a what to avoid, I think implementing or, or extending obsolete platforms or processes um, uh, where, there's, where there's an alternative and making sure um, you're scoping in a way that is, is fully future-proofed. I think that's, um, that, that, that would be my, my fourth. I think if I just had one other to say, I always think about how it's being delivered. Is it partnerships, it in-house, outsourced? Clearly, lots of different different models and different ways of looking at it. I, I, I would say as, as well, it's partnership, as partnerships become an, an ever more um, prevalent part of, of the way we look to deliver digitization, I think understanding and making sure you've got aligned values, aligned ways of working, really investing the time in, in getting to understand and getting to know your, your, your partners right at the outset, I'd, I'd say is also um, something that, that, that will pay off many times over through the process. Okay, thanks, Andrew. I mean, be, before I invite Yang to, to comment, can I just pick up on one point there? You mentioned the importance of stakeholder engagement right at the outset. I mean, depending on the size of the, the project that is agreed, do you see this being board level approval in the sort of corporates that you're talking to at NatWest? I, I, I mean, to be honest, obviously every case is different, but, but I think um, it, clearly it's very much front of mind, both, both for us and, and, and for many of our, our customers and clients. So I, I think 
often yes i mean clearly it depends on the scale but i think what it really comes down to is if, if we think about borders an analogy for making sure we're fully plugged in or people are fully plugged in across the organization and have visibility on it i guess that that, that naturally then leads to it being typically um you know something that that, that requires or, or will benefit from from board level engagement okay and and yang perhaps you could uh, come back on that particular question Yes, definitely. And I want to, first of all, thank you, Treasury Today Group, for providing us a great uh, platform to bounce ideas. And this is a critical topic. I think it's critical for many industries. Uh, but let me share a little bit of the experience that I, we are going through in my current company, Kraft Heinz. I think many companies talk about digitization. Uh, it's really critical for us to reflect upon why because many companies, many industries, many functions are being impacted one way or the other by the technology. Some are more existential than the others, or some functions are being impacted more existentially <laughs> than others. But for us, is to determine what are the disruption really is, uh, the biggest, has the biggest impact, and what type of disruptions are here for the long run. Uh, so for example, in the food industry, uh, a couple of decades ago, um, online shopping was, was picking up, but was not um, uh, uh, a forceful trend. However, uh, during this pandemic, we have seen that consumers' um, buying behavior has, uh, has structurally changed. And we also do believe that it's here for good. So I think we should first and foremost reflect upon how we're impacted and why we're embracing digitization. So having the right scope, and oftentimes the right scope is tailor-made to a company, to uh, how it is impacted, to a company's capability, uh, maturity curve, and also towards where the company's uh, strategic direction is heading to. Um, and also echo on what Andrew was just saying, um, digitization can easily become a multi-year uh, project. And it's very critical when we were doing this in-house, we break them down into critical and digestible milestones uh, so that we can clearly identify what are the small wins, uh, how do the small wins add up to the direction we want to go, and measure the return on investment. Because we can easily talk about massive investment and the low-hanging fruit or the concrete uh, return on the investment is something that uh, for us is very critical. And the last one, John, to your earlier question, uh, should this be a top-level mandate? For us, it's a critical governance issue. We do have the board mandate. We do have top management, or some of us have you know, very heavy weight in terms of our KPIs. But I do think the well-set governance model all the way from the top mandated by the top, but also well-cascaded through the organization is really important. So we have a management, um, project management team. We have a dedicated resources. We have a hiring plan to the places where do uh, lack of critical talents, et cetera, et cetera. Those are the governance model and the KPIs that we share across multiple different functions. So that can really help us to jumpstart this digitalization path. Okay, thank you for that. Just a question from me by way of follow-up. Um, given the size of the company that you're working for, Yang in the Treasury function, um, I mean, what sort of timeline are we looking at for a digitization project 
I recognise, you know, there will be low-hanging fruit and then certain long-term. But if in totality, are we looking at a one-year, two-year or three-year-plus kind of project? Well, looking at the two to three years project, at least for yeah. the phase one, and it's also an evolving target, right? Because just by the time you raise a bar and the, probably the overall external trend has been, you know, further evolving. So that's why I think to keep a constant tap on, on the external environment is also important for us, you know, to always benchmark and always aim to be uh, at a certain level versus the whole, where the industry is going. Okay, thank you. Okay, let's, let's move to my second question and and this is what have been the funding liquidity and capital structure lessons from covid times and perhaps yang you can take that one first yeah well from the outset of the the pandemic uh of course like many companies uh, liquidity becomes front and centered and treasury function becomes massively under the spotlight and everyone is asking the question like what can go wrong because it's truly unprecedented it's different from 2008, 2009, where, you know, the market is drying up and, uh, you know, funding generally does the struggle. But I think this pandemic has impacted different industries in a very different way. Uh, but in a way, I think it's fair to say nobody uh, from the outset know what was truly about to happen. Uh, so uh, as a food industry, in my company, for example, we were wondering how about uh, can we truly safeguard the production aspect? Can we make sure that our our food can be uh, can, can find the right tracks and go into the right places. So many things were disrupted and in a very rapid pace. So the first question is the liquidity. Where can you find liquidity in the worst case scenario, right? So we did a lot of scenario planning, distress modeling, and trying to find pockets of liquidity. Um, you know, the usual suspect and the, the normal playbook is how much cash we have on hand. Uh, then you rapidly go to what are the working capital, what are the capital priorities, what external fundings you can find, uh, including um, our revolvers, including the mark-to-market, uh, uh, if you are happen to be in the money, and including other, you know, working capital financing that you potentially could put in place or, you know, unsecured line or whatnot. And think of the liquidity is the number one uh, question that every industry uh, at that time were wondering what's about to happen. It's just to plan for the worst and then uh, putting quickly in place the, the, the measures that you can safeguard the bloodline, which is cash. Um, and the second, I think there's, a, there's something that to be said of having a crisp dialogue in terms of a capital allocation priority uh, so that, you know, uh, as a, from the board, from the executive, from the treasury function, we did, didn't need to scramble uh, at the 11th hour uh, to always have a tap um, if things do go wrong uh, and what are the things that you can, for the first one to go as a trade-off, what are the things that you would preserve under any circumstances. So we have those kind of conversations internally um, several times in a year. And we just kept that fresh. We know uh, if things do go wrong, and most of the times the things don't, but if things do go wrong, what are the trade-offs that we need to put in place? So that has been a very good, um, you know, helpful playbook for us to refer to. Thank you. Andrew? Uh, yeah, no, it's a, 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 a great question. I, I think um, I'll probably start by reiterating one of the, one of the points Yang made. I, I think it's... Um, the benefit of contingency planning and thinking ahead of time, because, you know, in terms of the last year, clearly things move very fast 
um, and you know, a number of factors at play. So I think the, the value of contingency planning and, and planning ahead of time uh, clearly, um, clearly hugely important and, and came to the fore. Um, I, I think sort of a, a, a few other observations. Clearly, every every crisis or every change in market is is different. Um, uh, different responses came forward. We obviously saw significant central bank government support as well. Uh, and, and real resilience around uh, around the board as well. I, I think also it's demonstrated the value of different pools and having access to different pools of liquidity as well, and, the, and a real understanding and the closeness of relationships between corporate and their finance providers really shone through as well. I think those where those relationships were deep and established um, clearly allowed sort of uh, action at speed and, and access to to advice at, at short notice as well. So I think sort of also emphasised the the, the 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 real value of of, of deep. Uh, deep relationships and close understanding between financiers and and and, and borrowers or, uh, or market participants. I, I just want to echo this particular point that Andrew mentioned. I think strategic banking relationship is often uh, underrated, but is one of I describe one of the superpowers of uh, of treasury functions uh, to foster a long term strategic relationship where the relationship is is fair it's sustainable uh and and um and that will be that goes a long way particularly when crisis happen when the wallet can be at times uh needs to be prioritized from one account to the other this this really helps when you constantly have this dialogue with your your banking partners okay thank you for that let's Move on to question three. Um, how should Treasury use liquidity to take advantage of the recovery and how should finance teams approach leverage in the months ahead? And perhaps uh, Andrew can lead on that one. Yeah, no, no very happy to. And probably worth just sort of stating a, a couple of points. Uh, and sort of obviously stating the obvious to agree. Clearly, financial leverage was at a, you know, has been at an all-time high since, uh, certainly since global financial crisis come, come the end of last year. Um, and whilst, you know, we've seen a significant amount of equitization, um, I think sort of clearly approach to leverage is, you know, remains front and center of, of, of many treasury teams' mind. I, I, I think there's, there's probably three or four observations I'd, I'd make around this as, as well. I think it's important bearing on, as I said, Around the last question, every every period of change, or every crisis or, 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 or downturn or upturn is different, and I think one of the uh, clearly policy uh, response here has been both policy response and indeed the, the circumstances in which different market participants enter it is, is very different. In, in terms of this period, clearly banks, uh, in particular, went into it very well, you know, typically well equitized, and I think have, have shown and and really. Uh, by and large, stood up and, and and really stood by their their, their corporate customers. So I think that that's been uh, you know wasn't always the case uh, back in the global financial crisis. Um, I think there is clearly going to continue to be there has been and, and no signs that there won't continue to be significant sort of central policy support to to aid the recovery as well. And I think it's important for um, you know for corporates to be cognizant of that and think about that as as part of uh, as part of a funding mix and as part of the, the, the tools and, and options available. Um, the third thing I'd say, it, 
different side of the same coin. As, as we look to where corporates sit today, we sit actually with a lot of financial capacity in the system. I think it's also very important to think about what will continue, you know, a period where there is considerable additional support and, and um, you know, if it's central bank government or, or otherwise, and, and, and clearly a very, continues to be a very low rate environment, it's, it's using that time as well to plan for transitions through both the next year or two years, but also to to ensure, uh, um, you know, a return to or adoption of a, of a capital structure, sources of liquidity, availability of funding that, that, that you're comfortable with over the longer term as, and, and making sure sort of both taking advantage of, um, as I say, available sources of liquidity today, but also continuing very much to, to plan for scenarios in the, in the, in the future. Um, sure. Andrew, given given your role as head of corporates, I guess you sit across the, the entire corporate spectrum. Do you see any particular industry sector or sectors uh, better positioned to take advantage of the recovery? Um, look, I think it's a, it, it's a great question. I, I think the first thing I'd say is clearly different parts of different sectors, much more so than than previous um, uh, downturns or, or, or market shocks. The, the, the impact on different sectors has been more markedly different, I think, and, and that's yes, interesting. Yes. Clearly, COVID has materially impacted different bits of the market differently, and, and particularly for those that have been most impacted, um, I think strength of balance sheet, depth of relationships, breadth of access to, to, to liquidity have, have really um, has really been a, a key differentiator there. I think as well, the, the other two things we've seen is clearly COVID, whilst it is hugely prevalent at the moment, we've also had a number of other material issues, you know, uh, climate change, the, the adoption of much more embedding of sustainability in ESG is much more at the core of many people's core practices and purpose. Um, yes, yes. Brexit, um, changes in the US. So there have been a number of factors as well. So uh, and aligned with that, obviously broader moves towards digitalization. So I think we've also seen that, that COVID in many cases has accelerated trends that we're already showing ahead of time, and I think again, it's those that were um, I would probably say those that were leaning into and anticipating those broader trends again have probably um, found opportunity or, or seen those either trends, opportunities, or challenges accelerate more through through COVID, as well as obviously the, the immediate impacts of COVID. Okay, thanks. And, and Yang, how is uh, Kraft Heinz positioned to take advantage of the recovery? Yeah, I. I think just on the reflection of um, different industries being impacted um, this 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 particular pandemic, and the food industry um, actually we have seen the demand soaring. Um, so in a way, uh, we benefited from uh, the situation, but at the same time, there's a sense of duty and mission for people in our industries to feed the people in need. But nevertheless, um, my learning from this one is you just truly never know. Are you going to, you know, emerge out as a beneficiary or, or, or negatively impacted? So my take of, um, you know, either unforeseeable crisis, uh, and, and I, I, I wouldn't pretend to, to know how that's going to be impact my company and my sector in particular. I think the most important lesson for me as a treasurer is to always be on the prudent side. Uh, and let me take you an example. It was starting about two years ago. We as a company started already doing uh, tender refinancing, really just to shape off near-term debt maturities. 
not because we foresee a change would be forthcoming, but rather that is a prudent thing to do. And we also have funded our off-balance sheet liabilities, such as pensions, such as post-retirement medicals. Uh, even if they don't show up as debt, for, for us, it's a prudent way to manage your basket of liabilities so that consistency will not subject us to any uh, significant funding requirements on, on, under any, uh, any year under any circumstances. So uh, I think that has helped us with or without this pandemic. We have digestible funding needs at all times. We can tap into the market when the market is friendly and there for us. And if the market does go away, uh, knocking wood, it doesn't, but if the market does go away, um, we at least have a sufficient and prudent fund on hand or at least know the buckets to go. So we're not subject to any uh, additional crisis mode because we didn't manage that, you know, in a more proactive and prudent way. So I think prudence would be the only one word I would use uh, having learned out of this lesson. And and I think is to capitalize also the fact that the Treasury is right now fund-centered, uh, the board agenda, the executive agenda, just to capitalize that so that we can at all times put prudent liability management, put, put prudent liquidity management fund-centered, even if the, the times are good. Okay, thank you. Okay, let's move to... Our final question, and perhaps Yang can take this one first, and we're back to digitization. So how can digital treasury solutions be utilized to improve these decisions? I have to say during this time, uh, it is not so much about my treasury function didn't go through a digitization journey, but rather that the pace of us adopting it uh, has accelerated. So I suspect that like many companies uh, that we already, many companies and my peer companies already have treasury systems. And, uh, but uh, like many other companies, you often have a legacy safety net. You have Excel spreadsheet hanging around. You have a bank portal that you go from once, once in a while. But during the pandemic, you know, uh, everyone is forced to work from home. Everyone is forced to back up each other and the, the control compliance and steps has been much more heightened. Uh, and, and the discipline around it for us is one way to accelerate the pace of everyone adopt uh, the, the treasury system to its fullest and really to poke holes in existing steps, uh, uh, compliance and safety and uh, credentials, you know, logging credentials and whatnot to make sure that we, we optimize our steps and optimize the usage of the system and also, because I will pay my team uh, once in a while, because the the need to see the liquidity, the need to see visibility of the cash at all times is so heightened, and therefore force my team and, and myself, the entire function, to be able to collaborate, not only see within our system, but collaborate across with the business so that we can have full visibility and real-time visibility. So that itself has jump-started a pace of adoption of the system, I think, by multiple folds. Okay, thank you, Yang. Uh, Andrew, do you want to say a, a, a few words to that question? Yeah, no, uh, happy to. I, I think a, a couple. Of, it's probably worth putting it in the context. I completely agree with Yang in terms of the. Uh, it probably touched on the answer I gave to the to the third question. Is it's very much seen an acceleration of a trend that was already there, and, and I think in many cases it's given 
both us as banks and uh, I think also our, our, our clients, our customers as well, increasing confidence in the use of those systems uh, and reliance on them because uh, situation and, and the, you know, the speed of change and the way people have worked has, has continued to support that. I, I, I think it is also um, important to see, you know, the direction of travel, I think, is, is increasingly very clear. It's, you know, with, with businesses harnessing technology, with making systems fully responsive, using real-time data on cash flows, liquidity positions, you know, that's an incredibly powerful tool. And then allying that effectively with what will increasingly be, I think, um, you know, responding to uh, decisions or, or ideas identified by AI, supported by APIs, allowing uh, if, if you like treasury functions and, and 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 our clients and customers to to be able to then make real time super live super fast decisions based on those uh, th those uh, AI led or AI suggested uh, opportunities. Now that clearly continues to be a journey, and 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 you know, th th there will always be further evolution. But but I think the the speed and and, and the opportunities that a combination of digitization, open banking. Uh, use of APIs and others opens up is is a really exciting one and uh, and one that we all um, you know c c can see coming. So I I, I would um, pr probably the, the the last thing to, just in in response to to Yang's previous point here I think sort of reference prudence. I would put planning and proactivity probably if, if we were doing all the P's I, I would put those alongside yeah. <laughs> uh, 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 as well. I, I think you know, the importance of planning, the importance of being proactive and taking opportunities as they arise, either as market are available or as you know new systems come online I think will, will continue to remain important. Okay thanks very much. Okay I'm conscious of time we've got about three minutes left. Yang can I just invite you to just very quickly wrap up and summarize your key takeaways from today. Thank you John. So um, my take is uh, again the word be prudent, uh, be proactive I think Liquidity is the bloodline of a company and uh, we treasury professionals do carry the duty to safeguard and, and be a steward of liquidity. Uh, so this is one word, prudence. And the second word I would just um, uh, put there is about people. And during this time, I noticed many people work tons of hours to fulfill um, the, the work duty and really work tirelessly uh, around the clock and, and uh, and I truly realized through this experience that we're only as good as our teams are. So I just want to be here and give a lot of kudos to uh, to many of the treasury professionals working so uh, so hard and uh, and um, and in our way to contribute to the uh, to to the uh, at the time existential questions for uh, our respective companies. Okay. Thanks very much. And, and Andrew, a final takeaway from you? Yeah, uh, it's a, that's, a, that's a tough summary to, to follow because I, 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 <laughs> I completely agree with that. I, as I said, I think prudence, planning, proactivity, definitely people as well. I, I would probably also come back to the value of relationships, which I know I touched on before, which uh, you know I think have been absolutely underpinned by some incredible effort that has taken place on you know across the spectrum to, to make things happen and, and to provide support and collaboration and and ideas and uh, you know when when i think hopefully our our, our customer base and and you know has, has needed it I, I think they are they will all continue to be hugely valuable but i would i would probably conclude by echoing everything yang said and, and just reiterating again i think the 
Um, as I think we always see when um, you know when we go through periods of challenge or crisis, that that depth and strength and and, and closeness of relationship are, are, are difficult to underestimate at, at times like that. Hi, I hope you've enjoyed this episode of On Point with Nat West. Please do subscribe to our channel to get future episodes and navigate to ci.natwest.com for the latest thought leadership from our specialist team. We'd also really encourage you to follow us on social media to get all the latest content. And of course, please do let us know what you think. If there are other topics you'd like to hear from us on, again, do please let us know. Speak to you soon.